When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller, founder of Empire State Properties. Today, I am proud to bring on a special guest, a former Wall Street trader who had a seat on the Mercantile Exchange. He is the largest, most renowned developer of luxury homes in the Hamptons. He has built and sold over 420 homes there. 420 homes. That's a lot of homes, all high end. He has built multi-family homes in Hudson Valley, Connecticut, and South Florida, self-storage in the Hamptons, and about to build a hundred. 150 rental homes in the Hamptons. Thank you, Joe Farrell, for coming on the Miller Report. It's really an honor. Thank you, Suzanne. It's so great to be here. So before we begin, what I do before I interview anybody is I really go through their their website, everything I could find. I know a lot about you now, Joe. Frightening. <laughs> the, <laughs> the interesting thing to me in reading all of this is how you got started. I know you grew up in Huntington and you lived in a wooded area. You were inspired by a guy named Frank who lived close to you and he was building five spec homes. So you started to build tree houses. And I'm really curious. I think it's such a great great idea. With all of your building, did you ever build a luxury treehouse or has anybody you know done that? Wow, you really do know a lot, Suzanne. In 1971, I moved to a little town called Dix Hills and there was a man who was building five houses across the street and he had a white Cadillac. (laughs) Now, if you had a Cadillac in 1971, man, you made it. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. I was in fourth grade and I used to follow him around and just became enamored with building. So I started building three-story tree houses. I started making furniture out of wood in my garage and selling it. Remember the redwood furniture with the straps? I just loved creating and building things. And it was my dream to be a builder, but you know, I didn't come from a family that had money or anything. And if you were going to be a builder, you had to have money to buy land. And to think about having $20,000 back then was crazy. We, no, we didn't have that. So somehow I wound up as an oil trader at 27 on the floor of the Mercantile Exchange, and I began to become pretty successful. And I saved some money. And at 31, I bought a piece of land in Brookville knowing nothing about building, but I always wanted to be a builder. And so I bought this piece of land. I bought a $250 plan out of a magazine, got it stamped by an engineer, a brick 4,000 square foot house, sold it for a million three in 95. But I hired a bankrupt builder and paid him $50,000, said, build this house for me, I'll pay the bills. So we began. I did it as a hobby. No architectural background. No, I studied it in high school a little bit, but then decided to switch to finance under some really good advice from my best friend's father. I was going to be an architect, but he said, don't do that, son. Go to finance and hire the architect. Wow. Okay. So 
this builder built this house for me. I'm still good friends with him today. And I watched him for a year. I was still trading oil and I would come out after work. And it was never my intention to be a full-time builder because I was killing it as a, as a 31-year-old young man on the floor of the exchange. And after going there for a year and I just loved the smell of the dirt and the sawdust and the morning dew, I fell in love with everything about building. And I took a month off because I worked for myself. I could do whatever I wanted and I never went back. And one day I was in Florida and I called the exchange and there was a bid ask all the time for the seats. And the bid was 475000 and I sold my seat and I bought some land in the Hamptons, three lots. And I went out to build and all my estimates were off and I was way over budget on every house. <laughs> and I ran out of money and the lumber yard lent me a million and a half dollars. Oh, wow. And in 96, I began in Watermill with a very shaky start. In 97, we started to sell some houses. We were breaking records in 97, north of the highway at a million six. We were selling them. Nobody could believe it. Then we were selling for two million and we just exploded. Like we exploded and I did it with virtually no money. I had a million dollars when I started, but I started selling everything very early. People would come to me and there'd be a hole in the ground and I'd say, hey, you gotta close now. And they'd give me the money and I would get a bunch of money up front. I'd go buy three more lots and then they would finance the rest. So before I knew it, I was building 25 houses at a time. Takes guts, Joe. And, and they were, you know, 2 million, and they were 3 million, and they were 6 million south of the highway. And then by 05, they were 18 million, and we were selling to Steve Cohen and people like that on Wall Street. Wow. But just, it was an amazing thing. I started in a pickup truck, and I had a checkbook and a pen, <laughs> and it. me and a measuring tape. I love it. So you say you your background was finance. At Empire, we, we really deal with a lot of developers who tell us when they're building, when they're doing these huge buildings, whether it's homes or, or large development sites, math is what they always use. But you're really building like creative mansions. So I'm curious to, like, what is involved? What's the art of it? You say that you're creative, but tell us what goes into your mind when you're building these mansions. Like what's a must? Tab and what's the creative part? The thing for me is, you know, I, I was successful in my 20s and 30s and I, I understood luxury young and I understood these financial people and what they wanted. And from out of the gate, I understood space and floor plans. But the biggest thing that my one of my older friends said to me is when I started, he said, Joe, just give everybody their money's worth and you'll always do well. He was a mentor of mine who's 83 today and one of my best friends. So in the beginning, I'll give you an example. People used to do nine foot ceilings out there, my competition. Right. So I did 10 foot ceilings. They did two car garages. I did three car garages. Nobody finished the basements. I was the first guy to start finishing basements. And then we like made them unbelievable. And even if I lost a little money in the basement, if it sold my house, see, I was a financial guy. I was more about turning my money over than hitting a grand slam on every house. And I was a born trader. So people would come along and give me a fair bid. I'd say sold. I wouldn't wait for six months to get that money because I would take that money and do three more houses. Really, I gave people their money's worth and I gave them value. And they just started buying everything I put in the ground. You know, as fast as I could build it, they would buy it. And I was building houses in seven and eight months when everybody else was a year and a half. So I took a million dollars and just kept turning it and turning it and turning it. What's so, a must-have in these homes? A lot of bedrooms, you know, because everyone has guests. But one of the biggest things people want is outdoor grass space to kick a ball around with their kid because they all live in the city in an apartment, you know, in four walls. So some very basic things, you know, look, you have to have a great kitchen. You have right. to have a great living space. But the other thing I did was I would never have like one bad room in a house. If I walk into a spec house, I'll always see something that's a real turnoff, like a narrow staircase or a narrow hallway or 
a room that is so small, it's ridiculous. I try to have no negatives, you know, because when people walk in a house unconsciously in the first eight seconds, they've made up their mind whether they're buying your house or not. It's like meeting somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But seriously, in like eight seconds, they are buying that house whether they know it or not yet. Yes. But that's the truth. So it's about space. It's about light. It's about value. You know, where it is, of course, is very important. So let's get into the real details of you are the expert. Everybody's asking, I don't know if you saw me on Fox last week, Liz asked, first question, what's going on in the Hamptons? Everybody wants to know, and I could not think of anybody more qualified to answer this question, Joe, like what's going on in the Hamptons? What do you see? So it's funny when I listen to people from the Hamptons talk about real estate brokers, you know, it could be the worst market in the world and they'll never say it. Look, we all know that we're in tough economic times, but this is the craziest downturn I've ever seen because there is massive liquidity out there. In all the downturns I've been in, it's usually a stock market, huge sell-off, and then we instantly get quiet. The second the stock market tanks, people stop buying houses. It prices stay, and then eventually prices go down. This downturn with you know mortgage rates like 7%, which and is- And international travel up, everybody's traveling. Right, so the world is awash in money. Transactions are way down in the Hamptons for two reasons, because there's still no inventory from the pandemic. There's only about 900 houses on the market in the Hamptons. There's usually about 2,300. Listings are up from last year, but way down overall. There's usually like 2,300 listings. Now there's like 900. What about prices? Prices are through the roof because there's no inventory. So transactions are way down, prices are up, inventory is down, so that makes you know less transactions. So I'd say overall the brokers are hurting, mm-hmm. the very high-end brokers are doing great, but the very high-end prices are through the roof. Can you take us through what you think high-end is, middle, entry market, like educate us? Okay, this is going to sound crazy because you know in most of America, a million dollars is like <laughs> incredibly high-end, right? This is the Hamptons. So the ultra-luxury market the average price today is about 16 and a half million, okay? Four years ago, that was 10 million. The top 10% luxury market is about eight and a half million, and that was used to probably be 5 million, you know, before the pandemic. So I'm seeing the high end is up literally 30 to 35% since last year, the super high end. Like we're selling things like off the ocean for $34 million. So deals are happening. Deals are happening. But you're going to see it. It's going to get tougher and tougher. And I have friends, they say, should I buy now? And I say, you know, and I'm just a realist. I'm not like one of these blind optimists. We appreciate that. And I tell them, you know, because of this dynamic of no inventory, even if we tank, you know, I think we're probably, we're going lower this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're not going to see prices down because a guy like me, I normally buy 25 knockdowns or lots a year and I can't find anything to buy. Like I normally have 25 to 40 jobs going and I have like eight or 10. So that will hold the prices because of the the scarcity of inventory is what you're saying. And what amazes me is every year how less the, you know, the dollars buy. Like Mm -hmm. I just sold a house for 3.6 million, you know, in a, you know, on a street that's traditionally not so great. And a year ago I would sell a house for three, six, you know, in a better neighborhood. So every year, those dollars get you less value. I think it's kind of like what's happening in the commercial market. The A buildings are doing well and the B are suffering. So you're really saying the high end is still happening. But even in the in the C market in the Hamptons, prices aren't going down because entry level now is 2 million. Entry level is 2 million. Everybody listening to that? Entry, entry level, level is <laughs> like 2 million and it's frightening 
at what it buys you. Like wow. you need to go in there and like renovate too. So there's, there's no inventory there either. What about the rentals? The rentals were very hot until uh, Silicon Valley Bank fell. And then I saw the, the rentals lighten up, uh, but it was really strong. But I've seen record-breaking rentals. Somebody just rented a house for 65000 a day uh, in the Hamptons, which is a record. So the super rich are drenched in money. That's what I see. So back to the rentals, I do see there's a lot more inventory on the market and people are seem to be breaking up their time. So it used to now they'll do shorter term. Are you seeing that? Yes. I've never seen such short term. But what's happened is during the pandemic, so many people bought houses and they stretched for these houses and mortgaged them. Mm-hmm. And then they expected to rent them to pay their mortgages. A lot of people did that because they bought everything. Right. So now you have so many more landlords in the Hamptons because of these houses. So there's a lot of inventory to rent. But the quality will still always be quality. So I know you're not a genie in a bottle, but you are the expert. So how do you see the future in the Hamptons? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I see prices holding. I, you know, I see th- like the oceanfront and anything close to the ocean just is going to keep going up because there's no inventory. I have an oceanfront right now on Surfside Drive for sale for $79 million. It's a spec house. And there's there's no new oceanfront houses for people to buy. Are you getting calls on that? Yes, absolutely. I have bids. Wow. But I want to wait till it really comes along and is furnished because that's when it's worth the most money. So the super A-plus properties, I think, continue to go up. You know, like five years ago, we all saw Ken Griffin start buying crazy properties, right? Remember about five yeah. years? He was buying everything. You know, and he's obviously a brilliant guy. And Larry Ellison just bought something in Manalapan, Florida for $170 million. He probably won't even live there. But what these guys are doing is not they're buying real estate, not necessarily for it to go up in value, but they're disposing of dollars. Smart. They don't want the dollars because they know so much was printed, it's becoming so devalued. So, so many smart financial people today are buying hard assets. We've all heard that, but it's real. Like, and commodities. Right. Like if, if you have a lot of cash, you don't want too much cash. Mm-hmm. So you're safe mm-hmm. in real in good real estate, the right real estate. That's what I see. Disposing of dollars. I like that. I think that's always, it's always been by real estate and commodities, gold. Yeah. So let's switch over to, I know you're doing a lot of stuff in Florida right now. And you do have, again, this great reputation. Tell us where in Florida, where are you building? So five years ago, I saw the growth in Florida. And then, of course, the pandemic, the explosion. There's an article in the Post yesterday at how much income has been lost in New York. I don't know if you saw that. Half a million people left New York to go to Florida. 24 billion in income was lost last year. So I saw this migration. and, And two years ago, we've all seen Florida explode in the last 20 years. But I said two years ago, Florida's in its infancy. And I started buying land, not in the like the A areas, but the B areas, like like north of Palm Beach, in Stewart, in Port St. Lucie, on Punta Gorda, the West Coast, in Fort Pierce, where all the working people have gone. There's such demand for rentals in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Palm Beach. And we've all read about the explosion in rents, you know, going up 18% last year in Florida. So all these people are getting squeezed out of their leases 
and they have no choice but to go north. So I'm building apartments for those people. What price range? You know, two to three thousand a month. Oh. So I'm building thousands of apartments in in Stewart, Punta Gorda, Fort Pierce, Florida. Fantastic. And what do you see the difference between doing business in Florida versus like the Hamptons with the permitting and all of that stuff? You know, look, I love Florida. We love their policies, but permitting is rough everywhere. <laughs> really is. So it's just as tough in Florida as the Hamptons? They're very pro-business and they know they need the apartments. So the difference is they want us there. So they make it a little more helpful. In some other areas, they just, you know, they, they, they don't want more building. But Florida welcomes it because they have a they have a housing crisis now. A lot of people are listening to this and they're, they're going to follow you. So you've got the Hamptons, you've got Florida. You said you have some stuff in New York. You're doing multifamily. Where do you think the next growth is and what's your, what's your eye on? To all my friends that, you know, are investors and finance guys, the last three years I've been telling them, I thought South Florida real estate was the best inflation hedge there was. Um, I'm just, look, everyone, we all hear at the Southwest, you know, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Texas. I think it's just the beginning, you know. Now you've got the herd. You've had the the, the pioneers that went early and, and big, you know, the, the Ken Griffins that moved their, are moving their headquarters there. Then that gives all the the other people confidence. So the herd is like moving there. And it's okay now for a young guy to get out of Wharton mm -hmm. and go to Miami to get a job. Right. Whereas five years ago, right. there was only one place. Yeah, they could Wall Street. Yes. So what about like a ski resort or any, or what, what else are you thinking about? Is it just going to be Florida or New York? Well, I, I build a lot in the Hudson Valley. So there's big migration there during COVID. But no, I'm you're busy. I'm pretty hooked pre on Florida. That's 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 good. But to but Florida, like north of Palm Beach mm -hmm. and the West Coast, it's all filling in. So Joe, I'm going to ask a tough question, and I really want you to think about this. And I know you're really a native New Yorker through and through. I mean, we love Florida, but you are a native New Yorker, and you have such a wealth of knowledge. And so many people that I speak to are complaining, and they're really down on New York. What do you really think is going is needed to bring New York City back to the glory days? Well, that's a very simple question and a simple answer. Good leadership. We had 20 years of unbelievable leadership mm -hmm. between Rudy Giuliani for eight years and Mayor Bloomberg for 20. And it was a safe city. That's the most important thing to everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, safety. I have one friend. He's been here 45 years. Major Wall Street guy. Loves the city. He told me he's leaving the other day. He walks out of his apartment. He smells pot all day and he like resents it you know, and he doesn't feel safe. He's leaving. So we need good leadership. We need to change these horrible bail reform laws. Like it's very simple what's going on. You know, you can't go to Walgreens and shop without getting the toothpaste unlocked. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's pretty sad. I love this place and I'm not leaving New York. Like I'm staying here because I love it here. And I love Florida. I have a house in Manalapan, mm -hmm. but I'm staying here because I just love it. I live in the Hamptons. I live a little bit in the city, but I'm staying. I like that. Thank you for that. You, you're talking about all your successes. You've done so much. You've got all these homes. You've, you've selling multi-million dollar homes everywhere and you're still doing it. You're still like, why? Like what is motivating you to continue to build more? Look, obviously anyone who starts a business does it to make a living and support their family and they want to become successful. And I've been very fortunate in that. But now it is so beyond money for me. It's just such a love that I have. I can't describe it. I wake up at four in the morning. I can't wait for the next day. I never get sick of digging a hole. I've dug 420 of them. Uh, it's just a love. You know, I play golf. 
I like golf. I don't love golf. I never want to be the guy six days a week at the golf course and then playing cards. This is what I do. You have to do something in life. People always say to me, what do you want to be doing in 20 years? And I eat at the candy kitchen every day. I have a Greek salad for like 25 years. I say, if I can be doing the same exact thing I'm doing today, 20 years from now, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. It's just a pure love. I, I love to watch things rise. I love moving the dirt. I love finishing it. And then I love watching a family move in. Oh, and that's fantastic. Well, thank you. And that's the truth. This has been so fantastic. I end all of our shows by asking everybody that's on here the same question. And I'm going to ask you, if you were starting out again and you have a young developer coming to meet you, what advice would you give them? You know, I feel very lucky in life because I started in 1996. And that was after that big downturn, the 87 crash. And it was pretty slow when I started. But then 98 to 08, I say it's the best 10 years in 10,000 years of real estate. <laughs> and I just happened to start then. So I got a lot of luck. What I did in the Hamptons really can never be done again. It can't because the opportunity isn't there. The land isn't there. The costs are crazy. The borrowing costs now are crazy. But what would I do? I tell young developers, if you have no money, get working for, with somebody really great, you know, like a real trailblazing guy, ambition, you know, and learn the business and the way you can get in Go find a great deal and bring it to a guy like me. And if that deal gets built, you get a piece of it. Like I just did a big deal in Westchester and a young guy got a piece of the deal and he'll make a million dollars, a little piece of the deal. So you have to like bring something to the table, but learn and you, you got to get in on a little ownership. Well, that's that's excellent advice. Real estate is ownership. So I think that you are saying, putting your words to what you do every day. So thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for this insightful information. And what I really want to thank you about is that unlike people that we speak to, you're, you've been candid, you've been honest, you're not um, brokering in your conversations. You're telling us really what's going on. And I think I appreciate that. And I, I know the listeners will. And good luck. And thank you for coming on the Miller Report. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for having me. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.